Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Hey, Exodus family and anyone else who's joining us via video today. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really super grateful to have the privilege of gathering with you around God's Word today. And as usual, we find that God's Word is really, really applicable to our lives. We've been in this series called Entrusted, which is a study in the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, This is a letter written by Paul to Timothy. He's written two of them. Timothy's one of the pastors at the church at Ephesus, um, and Paul has written two letters. 1 Timothy tells Timothy what the church should be. And 2 Timothy tells Timothy what Timothy should be. And here in chapter 3, Paul is talking to Timothy about how people respond to difficult times. Now, that's really interesting, isn't it? It's been an interesting couple of weeks for us to kind of watch one another and even watch our own hearts about how we're responding. Lots of different ways to respond. In fact, there's lots of memes going around if you just need something to laugh at during times like this. Um, The series, in fact, that we did in January, I was thinking about this week, uh, Renovate, where we talked about how we respond to things, control, approval, comfort, and achievement. You can look back on that on our website, and I hope that it serves you. Well, here in 2 Timothy, Paul picks up on a similar theme of how we deal with difficulty, and he reminds Timothy that difficult times will come. And that these difficult times will produce different responses. So let's look at God's word together. Then I'll pray and then we'll jump in. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 starting in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of these two men. You, however... Have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Let's pray together. Lord, we believe this to be true of your word today. We believe it is God-breathed. We believe that it is helpful to us and is helpful to us as we help others. So Lord, I pray, I pray that you, by your spirit, would speak through your word, even in this medium that we're not entirely used to. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to hearts. You know, you know every heart listening at this time. And so, Lord, would you speak in a way that that heart needs? And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. So our big idea today is that difficult times produce different Responses. Let's start with difficult times. Look at verse 1. Paul says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. I want us to first notice Paul's intensity. He says in verse 1, understand this. Paul's trying to get Timothy's attention here. It's like when I was growing up and my mom would use my government name. I knew either I was in trouble or I was in danger. But I did know she was intense. She wanted me to pay attention. And that's what Paul wants for Timothy here. He wants him to pay attention. And he wants him to pay attention to some specific content here in verse one. He says, in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. Now, this phrase, last days, needs to be explained. Uh, When we read that, we immediately think something dystopian or some bad Nicolas Cage movie. But that's not what he's talking about here. For Paul, all of human history is divided by some key markers. You have the time before Christ was born. You have the time from when Christ was born until he died on a cross. You have the period from when Christ rose from the grave until he ascended to the Father. And then you have this moment, this period of time from when Christ ascended until Christ returns to bring the new heaven and new earth to all those who hope in him. And what Paul understands as the last days is this time between the time of Christ's ascension and Christ's return. And so for Paul, we are living in these last days. In fact, you and I have never known anything but the last days. And what Paul wants us to understand about these last days is that during these last days, he says there will come times of difficulty. Now, Even in that warning, there's some hope. Notice he says there will come times of difficulty. He doesn't say it's always going to be bad. He says there are going to come times of difficulty. And church, we're in an unprecedented time of difficulty right now. We're anxious and uncertain. Perhaps we're over-informed. And we don't know when the end of this will be. And I believe that we need to prepare our hearts for it to last longer than maybe we think. We need to think of this as a a, a period of time, not a long weekend. And as pastors, we're working on some tools to help you consider how you would prepare your own heart and those around you for this difficult time. But listen to me, church. This time of difficulty will end This is not forever. This period of difficulty will come to an end. And in that, we can have hope. 
And Paul wants Timothy to, to understand that in the last days, in this time between Jesus' ascension and Jesus' return, there, there will be times of difficulty. And in these difficult times, there are going to be different responses. And we see that in verses 2 through 14. The first kind of response is a, re- a rebellious response. Look at verse 2. He says, uh, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, and then goes through this whole long list in verses 2 through 4 of all the ways we might respond in a rebellious way. Now, there's a temptation for us to look at this list and say, well, that's those people. For us to look at this long list of things that are going on and think, well, that's them, rather than seeing how this is me. I just want to highlight a few of them in the list just for us to understand that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. First, he says people will be lovers of money. Now, there's a lot of ways to love money. Uh, You can spend too much. You can save too much. You can trust it too much. All of that has been tested in the last two weeks. Another one is without self-control. Now, uh, we, it's easy for us to see uh, people fighting over toilet paper and feel like, oh, wow, that's not me. But what about the ways, I mean, I'm just thinking about the ways in my own life that I've not exhibited self-control this week. Emotional eating, constantly wanting to know more and have more information. This, this, this work-life balance that we're all trying to figure out now when we're at home trying to get work done and it feels like the workday never ends. Having self-control about the things we're trying to get done. And then the one that sinks all of us, disobedient to their parents. Hey kids, how's that going for you? You see, when we look at this list in verses two through four, we should not think, oh, that's them. We should think, oh my, that's me. And when we think that, we need to remember, that's why Jesus came. That Jesus came for a people from every tribe and tongue and nation who were once this list. And he came to die on a cross to pay for your sin and mine so that we could be forgiven and free to have our sins paid for, washed away, clean, so that we could have a relationship with God the Father through the work of Jesus on the cross in our place. But one of the ways we respond to difficult times very often is we are rebellious. And if that's you and you've never trusted Christ today, I beg you, trust him. There's grace for you today. There's grace for you. There's grace for us. One of the ways we respond to difficult times is a rebellious way. The other way we respond is a religious way. Look at verse 5. Paul writes, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. One of the ways we respond to difficulty is, you know, we would say we're never going to be verses 2 through 4. We're going to show everybody that we've got it together. We're going to show everybody that we're okay, that there's nothing going on in us. And so we're portraying this, uh, this level of calm when inside our hearts are spinning. And what we really believe is that the best way we display the goodness of Jesus is to show people that we're okay. 
We're portraying an appearance of godliness. And what Paul tells us here is that when we do that, we actually deny the power that would actually make us godly. Now, it may very well be that you wonder, that you wonder if there's anywhere, anywhere, where you could really be open and honest about what's going on in your life. You might think, I've got to portray this this sense of calm. I've got to be strong at work. I've got to be strong at home. I've got to be strong with my friends. I've just got to be strong. And maybe, maybe you don't know that there's a place where you could really be weak and let people really see what's going on in your heart and life. And if that's you, I, I want to offer you. I, I, I would love to, and I know all of our pastors would love to be a place where you could just share what's going on, where you wouldn't feel like you had to look strong, where you wouldn't feel like you had to appear godly. You see, the good news of the gospel, the good news of the gospel is that God's power comes not to those who appear godly, but to those who admit they're weak. And what we need to remember is that we don't need to appear godly. We can actually admit our need, and Jesus will work actual godliness into our lives. And that's actually what we see in Paul's repentant response in verses 10 through 13. He says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and suffering that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived." In contrast to either a rebellious response to difficulty or a religious response to difficulty, Paul holds himself up as an example of a life that's been radically transformed by Jesus. You see, Paul was a man in Acts 9 who was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians. Now, uh, because of his faith in Jesus, Paul is now being persecuted as a Christian. And he says, look, this is what everyone can expect in difficult times when we follow Jesus. Paul holds himself up as an example, and he says to Timothy, you know, you know what this was like. And then he calls Timothy to the same. Look at verse 14. Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, I want us to notice a couple of things, what Paul holds out to Timothy in this moment of difficulty. He says, remember what you learned. He says in verse 14, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. So Timothy, you don't have to learn a lot of new stuff. You need to continue in what you already know. And then he reminds him, remember who you learned it from. 
Timothy, you're, you learned it from God's people. He, Paul cites himself as an example in the previous verses, but he says that you've learned it from childhood. Paul's reminding Timothy of his grandmother and his mother. And so Paul wants Timothy to remember that God's people have taught him what he needs to know while he's going through difficulty. But he points him to another place too. He points Timothy to God's word. He says in verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. When Paul's talking about this, he's talking about scripture. He says they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul wants to point Timothy not only to God's people, but to God's word. And then he tells them some things about God's word in verses 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God, all of it. It's this idea that scripture is inspired by God. It's, it's, he's, he's, he actually makes up a word there to talk about just God's word being breathed out by God. And since it's from God, we believe it's true. We believe it's reliable. We believe it has authority. It's breathed out by God. And then we also believe not only is it from God, but it's helpful to us. He says it's profitable in verse 16, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It teaches us things, Timothy. Paul wants Timothy to know that. He wants us to know that as well. And then not only does it help us, it helps us help others in verse 17. That the man of God, now this is talking about Timothy, but by extension to us, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Paul wants Timothy to know and understand that in the middle of difficult times, that God's word will not only help us, but it will help us help others. And so when we think about how we respond in difficult times, We need to remember that we don't run from Jesus in rebellion and we don't run from Jesus in religion. We run to Jesus in repentance. And so as we think about how to apply this, there's two things. The first one is a really important question. Where are you running? Where are you running? We all find ourselves in the midst of really unprecedented, difficult times. And I'm convinced that God is breaking us of both our rebellion and our religion. He's breaking us of our tendency to run from him to other things because so many of those things are failing right now. And he's breaking us of our temptation to run uh, from him to uh, our appearance or this thought that we have it all together because none of us feel like we have it all together right now. And those two realities are inviting us to run to Jesus. And so I just want to beg you today, if you don't know Christ, if you've never repented of your rebellion or repented of your religion to run to Jesus, I beg you today to run to him. And when I say run to him, it's not like he's far away and you've got to turn around and go. He's right there. As soon as you turn around from whatever you're running toward, he is right there to receive you by his grace. 
And when we turn from all those things, whether it's rebellious or religious, when we turn from those things, the Bible calls sin. He receives us by his grace because he died on a cross in our place for our sin. And so where are you running today? If you're running anywhere other than Jesus Christ, I beg you to turn from those things and run to him. And if you want to know more about what it means to trust Jesus, please reach out. We want want you to trust him today. And so we run to Jesus. Where are you running? And then secondly, while we run to Jesus, don't run alone. Don't run alone. Now, all of us know how easy it is when we're trying to exercise, whether that's running or going to a gym or or whatever it is, we all know how easy it is to stop doing that unless we have a partner. If we don't think we're going to get a text from somebody or get called out in our F3 group or, or whatever it is we're doing, if we don't know that's coming, it's very easy to just turn over in our bed and press snooze and not do what we know we need to do, what we want to do, what we spent money to do. And it's it's the same in our walk with Jesus. We're not made to run alone. So that's why we want to help Exodus stay relationally engaged in this time. You, we, we need to be connected to people we can care for and who can care for us. And so the primary way we do that here is with our community groups. And you're thinking, well, we can't gather. Well, we can't gather together physically. We've taken all of our groups virtual using a tool called Zoom. You can meet with a group without leaving your home, uh, which is really helpful since we're supposed to be there. (laughs) Um, Now, listen, it's not the same. I just want to be really honest with you. It's not the same. The other night in my group, we were meeting. We have a couple of we have a medical worker, a couple of medical workers in our group. Um, One of the families was sharing a prayer request, and the spouse of that medical worker started crying. and And every part of me wanted someone in our group to be able to put a hand on her shoulder and say, "We love you. We're praying for you." And there's no virtual way to do that. All we could do was look through the screen and say, hey, we love you and we're with you and we'll do anything that you need. But while it's not the same, it's better, far better than nothing. And so this is the way we're going to care for one another during this time or stay connected to one another during this time. There has never been a more important time in the history of our church for you to be connected to a group. And so if you're not connected to one, get connected to one. Uh, There's some information at the bottom of this screen that will help you connect to one of our groups. Somebody asked me this week, well, how are we going to care to people who are, how how are we going to care for people who are not in a group? My response was, we're going to get them in a group. That's what we want for you, for you, so that you can be cared for and known. Don't run alone. Now, it may be that your role Uh, is not so much to get in a group, but your role is to make sure people are connected. I want to encourage us all, I want to encourage us all to go out of our way to stay connected and relationally engaged during this time. It's so important. 
And I want us to remember that we have a hope during these difficult times. The scripture has made us wise for salvation in Christ Jesus, not because we're special, not because we're good, not because we have the appearance of something, but because Jesus Christ in his grace has reached into our messed up lives and radically saved us by his grace and for his glory. And so as we relate to people who don't have that hope, let's share it so that we don't run alone. Let's not just run in community, but let's run on mission so that we can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus with those around us. Exodus. In the last days, there will be difficult times. We are walking through some of that now. My prayer for us today is that we would not run to anything but Jesus that we would not run to anything but Jesus and that we would do that together. Let's pray together. Father God, we are so, so grateful that you are ruling and reigning, that you are uh, attentive and aware Lord, we we find great hope that you are our rock and that we can trust you. Lord, I pray for those who are facing this difficult time in a very unique way, uh, whether they're involved in the medical field or their their job is in question or, or whatever is going on in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would be so close to them, that they would experience you as very, very close during this time. Lord, I pray for those who are tempted to put on an appearance of something. Lord, I pray that you would just free them to be weak so that the power of God might produce actual godliness in their lives. And Lord, I pray for all of us that we would continue in what we have learned and have firmly believed that we would stay, stay rooted in your word that is profitable and that makes us equipped for every good work you have for us to walk in in these days. So Lord, would you work in ways that we can't even imagine or fathom? Would you just captivate our minds and hearts with your goodness and your power? And help us trust in you. We pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.